You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and Merry Christmas! It is December 16th when this episode is coming out, so if you're listening to it later, you have joined us in the Christmas season, and we're so excited. Um, I hope everyone out there is just taking time to rest and enjoy this season, even though I know it can get so crazy. Um, And we have... I have a guest on today who's an author of a new book she's going to talk about called Motherhood, Matrimony, and Me, which is a devotional book, but she also has an Advent devotional book. So we'll get into that a little bit today as well. Um, So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Kaylee Thompson to the show. Welcome, Kaylee. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited to be on here. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. And we stumbled across each other on Instagram, and yet then we found out we had all these connections, and Kaylee lives in the greater Charlotte area, and um, her husband used to work at the church I go to, and you did as well, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, I did for about four years. Yeah, such a small world, or a big God. Maybe that's small world, small world, big God. Um, So to get us started, I was wondering if you could share with our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to know the, uh, know the Lord. Yeah. So I essentially am a writer. So I write a lot of things, um, but I also lead worship for all kinds of things across the Charlotte area. And so my heart really is to see women love each other authentically. And I don't just mean that like in the cheesy, like be authentic, because I feel like our world throws that time around a lot. I mean that in the sense of like, we can bring anything to the table. Like Mm -hmm. we all have a seat at God's table. We don't have to fight for it or compete for it. Like we all have a seat. And I really just feel like we all need to be like pulling out chairs for each other. Like, please come and sit down as you are. Please just come and sit down um, and let's be at this table together and let's invest in each other because that's really how we grow. Um, My backstory a little bit is that I I had an eating disorder in high school and I feel like that's really where things started to pivot for me. So I accepted Jesus when I was eight. And this is going to be like the real high level view of how I came to know the Lord, but Um, I grew up in a Christian family. I accepted Jesus when I was eight and I was incredibly stubborn about it. Like my parents were like, are you sure? Like you are, you're so young. And I, but I won like the Miss Independent badge in preschool. This has been long going for me. Um, It's something the Lord has been working on me since I was basically born. We're still going at it 30 something (laughs) years later, but um, I am incredibly independent, very stubborn. And I looked at my parents and I was like, I know what I know. And I know that I want Jesus in my heart. And I told them I was going down front. And so um, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. And the way we did it was like, you go down front and you essentially tell the pastor, like I've accepted Jesus in my heart. And then you go through a class and then you're baptized. And so um, I was baptized around the age of eight and really don't remember much of my life without the Lord and Jesus being a huge part of that. Um, and honestly feeling the Holy Spirit. Um, and I don't mean that like some weird way. I mean it in very much like I just always felt a connection to God and knowing he existed and loved me 
And I could genuinely feel that in a way that I could only describe as like the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I have one of those cheesy stories of, I don't know life without Jesus, but I'm, I'm grateful that that's my story. Um, but in high school, I really started to own my faith when things spiraled out of control. And so if you're a mom listening on here and you have a teenage daughter, um, or if you're a young woman yourself and maybe walking through this and listening, um, I very much know that sense of like what our, the stress our culture puts on us to say like X, Y, and Z look like success. And if your resume isn't this big or whatever, like you're, you're kind of failing by cultural standards um, and we glorify busyness. And so mm -hmm. um, I am naturally an achiever. So I just slip right into this and I'm cruising along, um, just striving to do everything that I can. And as believers, we know that striving doesn't always work out for us. You know, like grace is free um, and the gospel is free. And so I essentially just was like caught up in the, this achieving kind of culture and lifestyle, but just the pressure put on us. And I think a lot of women do struggle with eating disorders because of a body image issue. Mine was a control issue. And the more I talk about it, the more I realize this is actually a lot of people's story too, who have dealt with this, where um, I didn't feel like I could control my life. So I was trying to control something. And so somewhere I latched onto eating and became essentially almost obsessed with it. Um, and it wasn't like I wasn't eating. I just wasn't eating enough. I was incredibly active, did lots of sports, um, wasn't putting enough food in my body. And so um, essentially I was playing soccer and I basically black out in the soccer field. My coach makes my parents give me to the doctor. And this is where I learned that I lost a lot of weight. And so I realized this thing I was like kind of controlling and latching onto was actually destroying me. Mm -hmm. And so I had to come to the Lord and go like, my identity has really been kind of wrapped around sports and in achieving. And at that point, all of it had been taken away. So um, I had to regain weight back to be able to play sports again. And I began this journey of like what health looked like, um, relearning how to eat, which sounds crazy, but, um, and how to rethink you know, like what healthy thought patterns look like. Um, and I'm learning this all as a junior in high school when all the other stress is just like compiled. And so mm -hmm. everything got taken away um, for a whole season until I got healthy again, except for church and leading worship. And so it was in this season. I can still remember it. I had this like, I want to call it like a cubby. So it was like my bed backed up almost to my wall, but not quite. And I would just hunker down in this little corner and I had all of this music and I would just spread it out across the floor. And leading worship is a big part of what I do today. And it really started in that little like hole in the wall, <laughs> like this, this weird cubby in my floor. And um, I would sit down there and just learn worship music and I began to write music and play my guitar every day. And it's really worship that brought me out. And that's really the thing writing too in that season. So um, writing and worship now are the things that the Lord uses most in my life. It's what I do for a living. And it's how I hope to help other people be delivered and find hope and be restored through the love of Jesus and through what his word really says. And so um, his word saved my life. <laughs> like, you know, from the time I was eight, but really in that season, you know, where I began to flip like into, from that head knowledge to heart knowledge, you know what I mean? Like I've been taught this my whole life and I know God is real, but like that was the first time I saw God move for me and literally start to, to save me. And so kind of like left sports behind. I mean, I, I'm still, I'm still a runner and like a hiker and all the things. And I love to be active, but um, I really wanted to do things that were really impacting people. And so 
I started to really invest there and kept leading worship at Campus Crusade and in the gospel choir in college and um, went on to lead worship for a little while and be a part of Elevation Church and their team. And then um, my husband and I spent the last five, six years, I guess my husband's there for about six years at Forest Hill. So um, we've been in ministry for a hot minute and we're still there. It just looks a little different in this season. So now I write and lead worship around Charlotte area for all kinds of events. And um, my husband is leading a nonprofit ministry called 12 and it's a sports ministry. And so we are heavily in the nonprofit world and loving our people every chance that we get. And we're raising two crazy kids. They're two and four, um, two little girls, and they are sweet and spicy. <laughs> and we we love them for it. They keep us on toes for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, thinking back to what you just shared about your story, what encouragement might you have? You know, now you're a mother and yeah. you kind of open this by saying too, like, you know, if you are a mother of an adolescent girl, or if you are a woman struggling with those things, like what kind of hope would you have or encouragement would you have for the moms out there or the young girls out there who are in that place right now? And maybe it's not with a eating disorder, but some sort of issue of control, struggling to really let things go or like manage our lives with that like striving mentality. Do you have a word for them today? Um, Our words are so powerful. So, and I talk about this a little bit in my devotion book, um, Matrimony, Motherhood, and Me, that I just put out too, but we really have the power, like life or death is in the tongue, as the Bible says. And so we can either speak life over ourselves and over our kids or death. And what's really interesting is statistically um, young girls who struggle with eating disorders is linked to the way their moms talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as, and I feel the weight of this, like if you're a mom, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling myself out. Like I have two girls um, and I try to be so careful about the way that I talk about myself and my own body image because they're going to learn to either love or hate their bodies based on the way that I look in the mirror. And so, um, you know, we, we have to be so careful um, as parents, whether our kids are two or 25, the way that we, we talk about ourselves and the way that we call our bodies either good or bad, um, it affects our kids. And the reality is that like we are all made in the image of God and we have to be so careful. We're not cursing a blessing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. we really need to make sure that we are thanking God for whatever body he has given us and realizing that it is a good thing. Um, and so that's important. But then also like if we're striving and struggling um, to speak the word of God over our families and our kids, like the word of God, the Bible says never comes back void. Right. And so um, anytime I think our kids are struggling, like my mom, especially at this time, she put a Bible verse on my mirror. Um, Do not fear or be dismayed for the battle is not yours, but the Lord's take your position, stand still, see the victory of the Lord on your behalf. And it's out of second Chronicles. I don't remember the numbers, but you can probably Google it after all the things I just said. Yeah. Um, and I would read that verse every single day. And there was something about that, that let me stop striving. Mm-hmm. Like the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. And so like, it wasn't mine to fight. It wasn't mine to fight through. In fact, I couldn't, I did not have the strength in that season to fight. Um, 
but reading that verse let me know that God was going to step in on my behalf. And so when we speak things like that over our kids, even if they're like, cause I'm sure I was a total jerk. Like I was probably a typical teenage girl, like thanks mom for the cheesy Bible verse. Um, but really it carried a lot of weight and a lot of impact. And so don't underestimate the power of the word of God. Um, speak that over your kids, speak life over your kids, not death, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're, you're the other one who is like on the end of, either in some form of struggle, you know, make sure you're speaking life over your situation um, because um, the Bible says, you know, that this is a light and momentary trouble um, or that we will recall um, Job, somewhere in Job, it talks about um, recalling these problems as like waters gone by, like as if, you know, it's just, it's gonna pass one day. Um, And we, we have to look at this and know that, you know, like there's a core principle of suffering in the Christian life. Um, but that it does, it does end, you know, that Mm. like we will have suffered, but take heart for I've overcome the world. And like, that's our job, you know, is to really choose joy, choose life, take heart. Um, and that's the power of Jesus Christ. Like we can look at the worst situation we can imagine and know that he's still there at the bottom of it. Yeah, that's so good. And you know, as you've gone through these different seasons in life, you know, that struggle when you were younger and then leading into ministry and just all these different like paths you've taken, what surprising things has God revealed to you about his character along the way? Um, that he always will use, I say this a lot and it sounds so cheesy. So just go ahead and like bump up the cheese factor here. <laughs> um, but he always uses our brokenness and creates beauty out of it. You know, like I, um, you know, okay, so I have the Advent devotion too. I'm just going to go ahead and use an illustration out of that. Yeah, so perfect. I, I write one in there about how we always want God to be Santa, right? Like we we want like all the good gifts. We're like, oh, the Lord bless me. You know, and it's like, it's exciting. It's good. We, we want to unwrap that gift. Um, but what we don't love is when that gift is hardship <laughs> mm-hmm. or when that gift is like a struggle or you know, strife. I even, if you've ever read any of the Chronicles of Narnia, there's um, one and it's like, I think it's the horse and his boy or whatever that one's called. I can't remember. Um, It's not the one where, it's not the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe (laughs) before. Um, But it talks about the kids are running away and they're on horseback and um, a lion comes and actually wounds them. But the wounding like puts them in hiding and protects them from the bad guys. Mm. And so the lion was actually saving them by wounding them. And so um, it's just a weird perspective sometimes when like our suffering is actually the gift, you know, like our, our hardship is actually the gift. And so um, I'm not quite sure totally where I was going with that, but like sometimes we, um, we want Santa to be, or God to be Santa, but really he's just sovereign, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he's it all and he's over it all. And so, um, you know, that's one of the points I make in this season, even of Advent, you know, that we're, we're in the middle of right now when this podcast is going to release, you know, like the world was in total darkness, yeah. but Jesus came and he was the light in the middle of it all. And the, the hard flip side, oh, the flip side of God's character is that there is often purpose in the darkness. You know, like 
that is where the light shines through that broke. That's where we see our brokenness become beauty. Um, and in our weakness is really when we see God's strength. And so um, that is the surprising thing that I saw in God's characters. Like, you know, like I, and I think it's a very, you know, it's a childlike mindset too, a little bit, you know, like as a kid, you want only the good things. Like you want to eat all the candy, but like you can't eat all the candy because you'll throw up. Like, <laughs> so, you know, really God is doing great things by telling us no, or even um, using the suffering that is in our life to bring something really good. Um, you know, that we, all we can see is like the lion wounding us. You know, we're like, mm-hmm. why, why would you hurt me that way? But we have no idea the protection that that actually is or something, you know? And so um, the surprising thing about God's character for me was that that was the darkest season of my life I've ever walked through. Um, and I've been through some dark seasons still, but that was so dark. Um, and if it were not for that brokenness, I wouldn't be doing anything that I'm doing today. Yeah. Um, like I, because of worship, um, I met my husband at the church that I work at, worked at, you know? And so it's like, I, I wouldn't have the family that I have. I wouldn't be doing what I do. I probably wouldn't be writing or even on this podcast right now yeah. for, for, you know, that suffering and that hardship. So um, the surprising thing about God's character for me is that he is not Santa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he yeah. is sovereign. And even in like our worst things, there there's a good God in the middle yeah. of it. If we'll let him come through for us. Yeah. And it, yeah, like you said, it reveals his goodness too, that he's so like kind to us that he would bring beauty out of our ashes and out of our suffering. Like mm-hmm. he just loves us so much and he's so good. So good. You know, cause he doesn't cause the suffering necessarily. It's like there's sin in the world and there's things that are going to happen that he didn't like make happen to us, but the fact that he can redeem them and use them is so wonderful. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the cross, right? Yeah. Like the ultimate form of suffering and that brought us all life. Yeah. You know, it like, I mean, that's the pivot of the gospel, you know, and that's, that's the benefit I think of loving Jesus and knowing Mm -hmm. him on this side of eternity is that we get to, to see heaven here, you know, like we get to see some of that now. Whereas I feel like if you don't have the hope of Jesus, like what, what do you do with your suffering? Like, I I don't know. You know, is it, there's no way you look at your life and go, this is as good as it gets, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know the Lord, like knowing him is the sweetest thing because it really transforms all of that. And I think too, you know, during this season too, you know, we're in, we're in December. Um, the holidays are hard for a lot of people, you know, and there's a lot of hardship then, but, um, you know, knowing, knowing that in this moment, we, we think back to the story of Jesus and that really the hope of the world, the light of the world stepped down out of heaven when the whole world was dark. Like there's this crazy gap between the old and new Testament. It is 400 years long. And I write about that in, um, this will be assigned to you, my Advent devotion too, but like, can you imagine that God was like silent for basically 400 years? Like I prayed yesterday and I'm mad today that he hasn't answered me yet, (laughs) you know? And here's people who prayed for generations and heard nothing, but still were devoted to the Lord. Um, 
And that blows my mind that there was just like that massive gap and essentially silence from God. There were no prophets, like no one really came. And then Jesus stepped down. And so if you are listening to this and you're not sure where you stand in your faith or you're just having a dark time in this holiday season, like remember that this, this really is when hope comes down. Yeah. And this is really when miracles happen is when we look at our darkness and we're like, but there is a light and and he not only came, but he's still here. And he, when we accept him into our hearts, he's in all of us. So even when it's dark, there is a flame inside us. There is a hope inside us. And that is, that's the gift of knowing, knowing Jesus in this season and every single one after. Yes. Oh, amen. Right. This Christmas is the reminder that Easter is coming. I mean, like, yeah. The whole point of Jesus coming was to redeem us and save us and remind us that this world is not all there is. Right. Oh, that is so good. Thank you for all of that. So before we move on to your most recent book, yeah. I do want to talk a little bit more about This Will Be Assigned to You, the Advent devotional book, since it is yeah. Advent season. Um, yeah. How is that book like broken down? Or tell us a little bit about the book and how you decide to write it. So I have been doing, I I like the liturgical calendar. I think there's something so beautiful about pausing to remember. And I don't think we do an exceptionally great job. I wouldn't say we do a bad job. I just don't think we do a great job um, as far as like the modern American church of remembering these traditional things. And so Advent really started as this season of um, waiting to be baptized. And it was like this time of rejoicing and essentially a big party that new believers came. And it somehow has shifted um, throughout the ages into what we've come to know it as now, um, which is really this time of reflection for when Jesus came. Um, But it technically extends beyond the birth of Jesus and goes a little bit into the new year. And so um, my devotion book just goes from December 21st through 25th, because that's really like the season when we lean hard into the birth of Jesus Christ. But, um, you know, it was really actually this time of like fasting and really focused on God's word and um, celebrating with new believers. And so Tying a lot of this in, I'd done a lot of writings over the years. Just I would do one every week, one Advent writing a week. And so I just did that for years. And then I was like, these are kind of fun. And I really like this concept. And so I just turned it into a book. I just compiled yes. a writing and threw it into a book. And then because I have a family and I have young kids, there's a, there's a little idea at the bottom um, of just how it's almost, you know, like an advent calendar. I guess you could almost turn it into one. Some graphic designer out there, help me out. Turn this into an advent calendar. <laughs> Um, but there's a little admit idea at the bottom that ties into the scripture used and like some concepts, like one of them is like that good things take time, you know, and I, t- I do, I talk about the 400 year gap mm-hmm. and just like how people were waiting on the Lord and how long that actually took. Um, but really like that time was, was all worth it. Right. Because Jesus came at the end of that. And so the Advent idea is like, let's break this down as simple as possible. Let's bake some cookies because we all love some cookies, right? And so, but we have to wait. Like we, it takes time to make the cookies. Then you have to sit there in the oven. And my kids literally, they stare at the oven. Like they're like, turn the oven light on. And they like for the full eight or nine minutes, they're like, oh my gosh, when is the cookie going to be ready? And I feel like that too, because I love, I love me some Christmas cookies. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's that, that concept of like good things take time. You know, like, especially like, 
the things we most enjoy, um, it's always worth the wait. And so that's like just a, an example of some of the Advent ideas. Some of them are like, honestly stupid. Like this is, this is a party, right? Like this is Christmas. We're celebrating where your crazy Christmas socks today. Just as a reminder, <laughs> have your fancy boots on or your work shoes or whatever, but just remember your crazy Christmas socks are under there and we're really all just having a party for Jesus. <laughs> yes, I love that. And I think that brings the Lord so much joy too, when his children just celebrate and delight in him and the gifts he's given us. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. Like we used to, you know, biblically, there were all these like feasts and parties and stuff all year long. Like there were just these very specific and everybody, people would come in from all over and just throw a giant celebration together. Um, And we just don't do that enough anymore. I don't think like the Lord loves to celebrate. He loves to celebrate. And so I'm here for the Christmas party. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, I love that. That is so good. And we'll put a link to that um, so people can order a copy if they'd like. We'll put that in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, and now I want to talk about your newest book, which is how I actually discovered you. So many of my friends were posting about your new book on Instagram. And I was like, who is this woman? I need to meet her. <laughs> um, so tell us about your new devotional book, Motherhood, Matrimony, and Me. Yeah. Um, it's matching my motherhood and me. It's fine. It's like, oh, I'm so words. sorry. Right. It's, it's all the same words. All the yeah. same words. Um, same meaning. Yeah. We, okay. So I essentially, I mean, this all really started back in part of my story, you know, like high school. There's some, some crazy control thing that goes on in my mind, right? I'm in counseling. I've been there for a long time. It's fine. If you're in counseling, you're, you're doing great. The healthiest people I know are in counseling. Um, and also the craziest, including myself. But <laughs> I, I was having a hard time. So I, the end of my pregnancy, really postpartum depression, I think started to set in for me with my first kid. Um, and so after my oldest, Lena, was born, I had really like tons of intrusive thoughts, lots of postpartum depression. Um, and I just, I didn't feel like I could talk about it. So I sat in it for a long time and pretended like I was okay, but I was not okay. Um, and I had a lot of insomnia as a result of it. And like, if you've ever been tired having a kid, just throw some like more no sleep into that mix, you know? And it was terrible in every shape of that word. It was bad. And um, I I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know how to talk about it. And I think, so this was about, she's almost five. She'll be five in March. And so, you know, this was, five years ago. And I feel like within, within these last five years, I've definitely seen some change in the demographic of being able to talk about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, um, and giving some real words around what that's like, or what that feels like, or even, um, normalizing a little bit of these intrusive thoughts, but I did not know anything about it. And I just kind of thought I was going crazy. Um, and so that was hard for me. And on top of that, I realized, you know, like kids put a ton of stress on, marriage. You know, like Mm -hmm. this is, it's hard. And so that compiled with my experience and my husband's experience in ministry is that, you know, like the statistic is 50%, if not more couples divorce. And that is the same, whether you are in church or not, um, which is really sad to me because as believers, we should be doing something radically different, right? Like we should be very countercultural, especially when it comes to marriage, because we are the example of what it looks like to be the bride of Christ. Like what it looks like for 
Jesus to love his bride, which is the church. And so this um, is a very holy thing. This is a very sacred thing. And this is not um, just something we sign on a piece of paper. This is actually a covenant that we've made when we walk down the aisle and we say before God, um, you know, like to have and to hold until death do his part. And so when we essentially break that covenant, we're doing something a lot more different than just signing a piece of paper for divorce. We're like really wrecking some, a promise we made on earth and in heaven, you know? And that is like a lot bigger deal than just being like a little bit selfish about like, I just don't want to be married anymore. You know what I mean? And so like, we, we've got to start pivoting, you know, and clear, clearly what we're doing is not working. You know, like I think culture would agree whether or not you are of the faith like whatever we're doing with marriage is not working because people are not staying married. They're just mm-hmm. not. Um, and so we've got to do it different. And matrimony motherhood in me is really just a suggestion that we do motherhood and marriage biblically. And like, let's just see if it works because I'm willing to bet that it does. You know, I'm not a betting woman, but if I was, I'd put some good money on that because really like, a lot of the answers I think we're all seeking are right there in the word. And when we start to really look at it and dive into what like a covenant based marriage looks like, or how to even um, raise our kids and train our kids in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. Um, I can't tell you how many students, even we're student pastors for a long time will come and be like, well, my mom, I remember my mom talking to me about this. I remember, I remember being in church and hearing this and, these things, they're, they're like little seeds that when we plant them in our kid's heart, despite what we see out of their actions sometimes, when we plant the, the seeds, they do not leave. Like there is something there that continues to grow and continues to grow. Even when we've seen lots of students go through like a rebellious phase or walk away from their faith, so to speak, there's something in them that always pivots back toward the Lord, because I think once you've experienced that or that word has been planted in their heart, they can't really, they can't walk away. Like there's, it's biblical, you know? And so there's something ingrained in them that, um, that Jesus is there and they know that, you know, innately deep down. And so um, when we, when we live out our marriage, I talk a lot about um, the we versus me mindset. So my husband and I also did marriage counseling, which I also recommend. I'm a huge advocate for counseling. Can you <laughs> Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, we, after our first kid, well, this was really after both kids, we were having a hard time. Like I was like, this is, I love you, but I dislike you right now. Like this is so hard. And there were just things that we could not figure out without a mediator. And it wasn't like we were at each other all the time. It was just like this weird, like, we are not jiving. Like, what is going on? And so we sit down and the counselor is like, okay, we need you to know that um, this is a counseling session and the client is actually the marriage itself. It is not you, Kaylee. It is not you, Gage. The client is the marriage itself. And this light bulb went off for me where I was like, I am the most selfish person on the face of the planet. Like I have been making this about me and this is actually about us. And I've been like literally comparing, keeping score. You know, there's a whole list of things that I've been like essentially judging my husband on. Like, look how much more that I'm doing. I think when we're moms, we just naturally do more for our kids. Like we, we're ingrained that way. We're nurturers. We love our babies and our bodies physically provide for our children, um, whether or not you breastfeed, like doesn't, you know, like I'm not, 
I'm not an advocate for either one because breastfeeding failed really horribly one time for me. And then the other time I did it for a long time. You, you do you, boo-boo. But <laughs> I am saying that um, God made us. He actually physically made us to be the one that provides for our kids. Like there's something there that um, even our bodies, we we carry the kid, we feed the kid. Like it is ingrained into our actual DNA. And so if we're going like, look at all the things that I do, what are you doing? Um, we're, we are not doing well in our marriage. Like we are not, we should not be keeping score. We're on the same team. And so what does it look like to transform this like me mindset and do this together, realizing we two become one as the Bible says, like, what does it look like for us to look at this oneness, this like we mindset and marriage, but then also like, how do we biblically do motherhood? Well, cause this is like, there are moments where you're like, this is impossible. Like I, you don't get sick days as a mom. Like, you know, you know, there's so many secret hidden moments. And what I'm really bringing light to is that those moments matter. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think we get to the end of our life and regret like those secret moments that we had just playing in our, in the room with our kids. I think those actually like become the sweeter things, even though they're hard at the time, you know, I mean, even now my oldest is four and which is still incredibly young, but I still am like, Oh my gosh. Remember when she was like so tiny and I would just rock her. And in the moment, like rocking her, I was just like, I am so tired. Like if somebody would just come take this baby, please. If I hold this baby while I take a shower. But now I look on those memories and I'm like, that actually was the sweetest thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so we can't, we can't let those moments just like be fleeting. Like we've got, we actually should be intentional about them. Um, and the byline of the book is there's a miracle, two months of miracles in this. And so my, the thing I'm always driving home, whether it's in like the hard times of marriage or motherhood is that, um, there's a miracle and really in all of it, if, if we will choose to look at it. So we can either look at this season. I remember, um, so I, I called my doctor and I'm like, hi, I'm a basket case. I, all I do is cry. I don't sleep. Save me, help me. And it was so interesting because she did prescribe me medicine. Um, thank God for medicine. Um, some people are not for it. I, it helped me a lot. Do what you need to do. But um, I, I remember her pivoting though from that, like, Hey, we're going to prescribe you this, go pick it up. Da, da, da. And then she was like, you know, when my kids were little, I used to have this door and it was just this like screen door. They would touch on it all the time. She's like, anytime I would look at it, there'd just be like handprints, snot and like all the things all over it. And she's like, I just had to eventually quit looking at that door. And I don't, I'm like, I, I didn't know exactly what she was getting at. And then all of a sudden I was like, you know what? Like I it's, she was telling me to focus on the right thing. Mm. Like she was telling me to like, stop looking at how dirty this situation was and dwelling on my insomnia and my anxiety and all this stuff and to look at my kids and to look at the actual beauty of this season. Yeah. And I'm sure as a doctor, she didn't feel like she could like counsel me, but that was her way of being like, if you'll switch your focus. Like there's actually something really beautiful happening in your home right now. Mm. And so um, it, that the, all those like conversations and things just led me into writing and writing. And it really started out as a pregnancy devotion because I wanted something to read while I was pregnant and everything I kept picking up was super cheesy. So I was just like, I just didn't want 
that. I wanted something that felt a little more applicable and like, like someone was having a normal everyday comment. Like I want to know the hard parts of this. Yeah. Like I get that it's pretty and it's great and my body's doing great, cool things. And like, this is a miracle, but can we also talk about the fact that like my boobs grew two sizes and I'm a little frustrated today, you know, like, and so I wanted to like, just get in the real of it. Yeah. Like let's, let's talk for real about this. And then, um, it, like I realized that this was just all intertwined. Marriage is a big part of how our motherhood pans out. And then also like our self-care and, you know, not in the like worldview of self-care um, because this isn't, this isn't like self-help. This is Jesus help, right? Like how do I still in this season find five minutes to do a devotion book? How in the season do I find, you know, 30 minutes to go take a bubble bath and just like be alone or, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, to still be healthy and take care of my body and um, meditate or have, you know, any time for myself. How do we, how do I care for myself in this season? And how does the Lord want to care for me? Um, Because the reality is you're caring for children, but you are still a child of God. And so, um, you know, it's just all these things intertwined and it's only two months long. And each message is like probably five minutes long because I wanted to be super practical and snappy and to the point, because let's be real. We only have five minutes. Like, yeah, (laughs) most of the time, my quiet time is like not quiet at all. And my kids are watching cartoons or screaming around my house. And I'm like, Lord, speak to me now, please, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so. It's just, it's practical and it's to the point and it's short and it's only two months because the reality is it might take you five months to get through it and that's totally fine. <laughs> Amen. And so many of the truths that, truths, oh, that was a hard one for yeah. me to say this morning, um, that you've shared relating to motherhood and marriage, I think are so applicable, even if you don't have kids um, or if you're not married, like I'm, you know, unmarried, no kids. And yet everything you're saying is speaking directly to where I am right now too, of like shifting your perspective and finding the things in the season you're in to be thankful for, like not wishing them away, not wanting to get to the next stage. Like, ah, when, you know, when they're, when the kids are sleeping through the night, then I'll be happy. Or, you know, and in my situation, it's like, when I get the engagement ring, then I'll be happy. It's like, no, it's finding the joy where you're at now. A hundred percent. Because there's a miracle right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When we're, when we're focused on the door. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever your the, door is. Yeah. yeah, whatever your messy door is. <laughs> finger, maybe it is an actual door. I don't know. I often have one of those glass doors in my house. Um, but I, I don't look at it anymore. Um, and so you know, like, or like the next thing, I don't know if, um, you do Enneagram stuff. Oh, yeah. I am, I'm an Enneagram seven. Yeah. I love what's coming next. I am pumped about the next season. Let's move on. Yeah. Right. Like I'm ready. Like hardship comes. I don't want to feel that. Let's just move on. Mm-hmm. And then the reality is you can't do that, but <laughs> it will come back to bite it you. Will. Don't do that. <laughs> but um, we get so focused on what's next. And that's what we think, you know, like the next thing is when I'll be happy. But when we do that, we miss out on a miracle that's happening right in front of us. And then we look back on that season. And we're like, well, crap, like I don't get that back. Yeah. And, and we missed it, you know? And so, yeah, like we have to go like, okay, what is happening right now? You know, what is God doing right in front of me? Yeah. And just, just take a look around because it really is a, it's a beautiful life. It's a beautiful world. If we'll just pause for a moment 
and, and see it. I talk a little bit about in, um, as this will be assigned to you too. Um, I'm getting all my books confused. Sorry. <laughs> um, but about like, um, there's one year I planted tulips in the fall. And so it was like right around Christmas time, I'm walking outside, I'm like blowing leaves or raking or something. And I go and like stand over where the tulips are. And I immediately am like, I can't wait for spring. <laughs> I can't wait for it to warm back up. It's going to be so great when these tulips bloom. And my brain was like, Kaylee, that is like four months away. Like, can you, it is not even Christmas yet. Can you just show up for Christmas? Can you do that? You know, I'm like, how, why, why am I so bad at going like, but how beautiful is it right now with like, you know, there's something beautiful about the winter, like the no leaves on the trees and just like how crisp and beautiful the mornings are. And, you know, like, why can't I just go? But it's pretty right now. You know, like this is beautiful right now. And instead I was like, man, those tulips, they're going to be, they're going to be great. Can't wait for those tulips. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I hear you. I, yes, I am stuck in some seasons of waiting in my life that our listeners have, have heard about (laughs) for like the past year. Um, And I hear that I am just anticipating the spring. Um, My condo was flooded over a year ago and I'm still not back in my house. And, you know, they keep pushing the date back and I keep just anticipating like being back in my home. And yet God over and over is reminding me like, but look at what I'm doing in your displacement. Like, look at where I've brought you. Look at what I've provided for this day. Like, I mean, he's blown me away revealing these truths about his character that I wouldn't have learned if this all hadn't happened. Like, if the struggle hadn't happened, like you were saying. And, you know, so if I spend all this time wishing it away, then I'm going to miss the goodness of what God's doing through it. Absolutely. And finding your home in him. Yeah. You know? Amen. Like that, I can't, I still sometimes can't get over the disciples. Like the Lord was like, come on. And they were like, okay. Okay. And they just like, like in the message version, I think it's like, um, pack lightly and carry only a toothbrush. I literally cannot imagine just being like, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna go get my toothbrush. I'll be right back. And then you just leave. Right. Like, Like, okay. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm Jesus, I need more than a toothbrush, okay? Like, I need my home to not be flooded and I would like to live there, please. Yeah. But I at least need my whole cosmetic bag. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Come on. 100%. Um, but I mean, there is something beautiful, right? About knowing like our home is in the Lord. Yeah. And like, no matter where he goes, at least, or no matter where we go, at least he's there, you know? And and there's you're living somewhere, yeah. right? So it's like, yeah. there's shelter, like his provision. I mean- I can't imagine that. I mean, that is incredibly hard season, but there is a miracle right here, friend. Right here, through it all. So as we wrap up, we're almost out of time. I wonder, what did I miss? What final word of encouragement or hope or just what is the last thing that the Holy Spirit's just placing on your heart right now? Um. I think, you know, in this season, we talk so much about, um, and we've talked about it here to you that, you know, Jesus is the light of the world. Um, this will be a sign to you. He'll be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. You know, like Jesus has come um, and he is still here. And we all, I think, especially with what we've been going through with, whether it's COVID or just the general um, 
what I feel like is a little bit of just a hovering of darkness over our culture, totally, you know, and completely. Um, we're all going like, what is the solution? Like, what do we do? Um, and I just want everyone listening to just picture Jesus literally standing you in front of a mirror and like, as if he's standing behind you, holding your shoulders and being like you, it's you, you are the light of the world. Like you are the city on a hill. Um, we, we actually, as the church and as believers are now the light of the world. Um, the sign we're all looking for is you. And so go and be the hope of Christ, whatever your small corner of the world looks like, you know, Mm -hmm. whether that's just in your family, um, and you're like me, a mom with small kids, maybe all of that light is behind closed doors in your house right now, but know that like you raising up those kids well and sending them out is actually like you're multiplying your light, right? Like those kids are going to carry the light that you put inside them. And then they're going to pass that light off to their friends and in their community. And then one day they'll be parents and hopefully continue to pass off that light. Like this is a lot bigger than you just like sitting in your home playing with your kids. And then, you know, like when you're in your workplace or you're out in your community, um, maybe you have a big platform and you're, you're like, like you just like you're, you're recording this and people are hearing it. Like, this is the way you're sharing the light inside of you. And so you're being a sign of Jesus just by recording this podcast. And so my my hope for you is that, and you as a person, but also like everyone listening that you do, you, you take a good look in the mirror in this season and you realize that you are now the light of the world. So go and be that. Go and lo- like love with all your heart. Um, go and just shine a light wherever you can find darkness and just bring bring hope to your home this Christmas because I think now more than ever we all really need that yeah that is so good thank you so much for being on the show this week I just love this conversation of course what a great word from Kaylee and just the reminder of the hope of the Lord in this season and that he is our home he is the light And when we have Him in us, therefore, we are the light to the world as well. Like, when you accept the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the power of the resurrected Jesus in you. And so often, I don't think we live like that's true. And so in this Christmas season, you know, with whatever unmet longings you're facing, with whatever struggles you're walking through— My prayer for you is that the hope of Jesus just infuses that and that you see His goodness even in the struggle and you are able to have just eyes to recognize all the ways He's providing even though the situation isn't what you hoped or what you expected for your life or or you're still waiting for something. You know, you have these unmet longings in your heart. Um, I just, I just pray that you see Jesus right where you're at in this holiday season. Um, because he, he's all we need. He has all we need. Um, Isaiah 9, 6 says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is all of those things. And so 
whatever you're in need of this holiday season, if you need him as your wonderful counselor, or you need to see him as the sovereign, mighty God, or the everlasting father who just holds you in his arms and loves you and provides for you, or that prince of peace who sustains you with this peace that defies your circumstance. Whatever it is you need from him, I just pray that you you experience that over these next couple weeks and that you come away refreshed and filled with hope because Jesus is here and he is with us and he is alive and everything we need is in him. Um, So I just hope you have the merriest Christmas and we will be back December 30th uh, with a little New Year's special. So we'll see you then. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. You can also find Jess at Jess Biondo. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.